Welcome and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, the Vice President of Site Engagement with the Society. SCRS Talks allows our partners and those that we work closely with to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern, share exciting achievements, and learn more about our community. Today, we have Dina Bernstein, the Vice President of Customer Success at DataCubed Health, and Karen McIntyre, the Senior Director of the Launch Office at Parkcell International, here with us. Karen and Dina, as the co-chairs of the Digital Innovation Initiative Decentralized Clinical Trials Working Group, are here to share some exciting updates and details on an outcome recently released from that group. Thank you for being here, Dina and Karen. Dina, we'd love to start with you and get a little bit of an introduction and background. Sure. So um, my background is in the sites. So I spent the first 20 years of my career operating and building site networks for large healthcare organizations, CROs, and healthcare groups. Um, so the sites go through my veins, I always say. Whenever I do my work, I always think about what the sites think. Um, my current role is Vice President of Customer Success at DataCubed Health, which is a uh, more of a technology solution provider. So I pivoted to um, a different side of the industry. My background with SCRS is I've been on the leadership council for uh, since its inception, I believe in 2014. And um, I joined the initiative for digital innovation uh, to co-lead with Karen. Thanks, Dina. And Karen, a little bit about you. Yeah, sure. Um, thank you for inviting me, Jimmy. I joined the um, the industry in 1992 as a study site nurse um, and really over that time enjoyed a career across mainly site, site management organisations, CRO and technology providers. My role within Parexcel Launch Office is to improve productivity by, by magnifying activities across the clinical trial pathway um, and to do that by increasing productivity through milestone aggregation. Um, it has been my privilege to be involved in the digital technologies programme within SCRS and I can tell you that I have learned more than, than I contributed with interactions from the SCRS membership, working with Dina um, and, and yourself, Jimmy, and it has been an amazing experience. Wonderful. Well, we're excited to have you both here with us today and sharing a little bit about um, the Digital Innovation Initiative and the recent release of the best practices and recommendations for site participation on decentralized trials guide that came out from that work stream, really our first big outcome. Uh, it's been years in the making. We kicked this initiative off back in very late December 2019 and just recently released this resource a couple of months ago. So Karen, um, let's share a little bit more information on how this was developed and, and maybe talk a little bit about the process that led us to where we were just a few months ago. So thank you, Jimmy. And I think that the reason why SCRS have been so successful um, releasing this best practice and recommendations document is because we have almost 10,000 industry representatives who are experts across site, across CRO, sponsor and service providers. Prior to the impact of the pandemic, SCRS had already implemented a, a digital a digital technology workstream in support of, of site staff. The purpose was not to influence regulations, but to provide 
site staff and, and other stakeholders a resource to understand better what decentralised clinical trials means um, in terms of all stakeholders, what resource, technology and guidance that they need to be able to support DCT trials. Thanks, Karen. Yes, that uh, pool of resources in the form of SCRS membership and most particularly of course, the sites that were intimately involved with the work stream itself was critical to the success of this resource and uh, the information, the journey that we um, built as part of it. Uh, we're really excited to bring this resource to the community. Uh, the entire group, as well as the sites themselves, are excited to get their hands on it. So can you share with our listeners, Dina, a little bit about the intent of the document? Um, maybe some preview in what it is and, and what's, what contains within it, as well as how best to use it. Sure. Um, so the assets we created for the best practices and recommendations, they include site journeys, et cetera, and um, the intent is for them to be shared with sites and broader industry stakeholders uh, to provide guidance. And the guidance would be in developing the best solutions and implementations um, that are fit for purpose appropriately for participants and sites. I just want to say absolutely agree with, with, with um, Dina and also to help the sites evaluate their preparedness for participating in DCT trials and really understanding what are the potential benefits and challenges for their for their participants and also for their, their site staff and what that means in terms of budgets where that varies from traditional clinical research um, and also gaps that they need to address with resourcing um, <clears throat> and, and just what it means in general to their patient population. Thanks, Karen. I think those details are uh, important additions to uh, Dina's excellent explanation. What really sets this thing apart in my mind is that journey map. Being able to take the sites, as you mentioned, Dina, from trial protocol development and what's happening at that stage all the way through the clinical trial execution and operationalization through to study closeout and everything that they need to know, as you had mentioned, Karen, along the way and all of those different stops and, and some, some information and pieces there. I think it really helps the sites piecewise absorb what they need to do at those various stages of the clinical trial so that it's a little bit more digestible. Because one of the things that we learned as we embarked on this path with this resource was that there's a lot. There's a lot that goes into it. And every single time we met, there were more things that we wanted to add, more information, more scope, more context, and more value to bring to the site community, which is part of why it took us um, a couple of years to produce something. There's resources within that, like definitions, um, the journey map itself. Just the map took us uh, a significant amount of time to build, let alone the detail that came out from within that journey map. So thank you for giving us some insight into um, into some of those, those items. Um, but it's really important to take a step back and understand from a community standpoint why we did this. And that is really because sites are embarking into clinical trials that have elements of remoteness and decentralization on them. So Karen, can you help us take a step back and talk about what sites should consider before initiating a trial with decentralized or remote technology elements on it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I think first and foremost for me, sites have to consider what training they need for their um, for their site staff and also um, an element of patient training specific to the decentralised elements of the study. Um, they need to ensure that the site staff are really comfortable and, and, and feel competent with any apps or devices that the patients will need to adopt. Also have to consider if the protocol facilitates optionality for their patients. So do patients have choices in terms of DCT elements that they want to utilise throughout their clinical trial journey? Um, I also think that the therapeutic focus area and the patient population need to be considered. We often talk about age in terms of, of um, people being comfortable with, with technology. I'm not sure that age is as likely to determine patient access to, to internet, to technology. Um, I think it's, it's more likely to be geography. So thinking about where your patient population comes from, the, the crucial thing, of course, is that our vendor suppliers need to ensure that, that these um, electronic platforms are patient-centric. Single sign-on, um, where possible. I think if, they, if the apps are complexed, we're likely to see compliance fatigue fairly, um, fairly quickly in, in our patient populations. Great point. Yes, I agree 100%, Karen. Yeah, Dina, I know that you have thoughts and feelings uh, in support of uh, that. And I think that patient perspective that, De that Karen brought in is really valuable. Dina, anything uh, to add from the perspective of a service provider? What are some of the things that the sites um, need to do to, to really be prepared um, and ready before initiating a, a DCT or, or a trial with DCT element? Well, I mean, it, it starts at the protocol development. It really needs to be, um, you know, fit for purpose specific to the trial? Does it make sense to add technology instead of just adding technology for the sake of adding technology or a shiny object? But as Karen mentioned, it really needs to be intuitive, easy to use. It can't put a lot of site burden on teaching because the sites just don't have time. Um, they could be doing multiple studies and um, they we already know that they have multiple technologies built into each and every study they're working on. So as simplistic as it can be, uh, for the sites and the participants using it is is really key. And, um, you know, being able to meet the needs of the patients, optionality, as Karen mentioned, um, meet the patients where they are. If they don't have a phone, we need to give them a phone. If they work, we need to make the option of a, uh, a visit to become virtual. Just all those different elements that should be considered that make sense. And again, not just adding it to add it because technology is really cool. <laughs> That's right. An important concept that I think we've really been trying to embrace over these last several years and, and ground ourselves in um, is that concept of fit, per, fit for purpose, as well as some of the things you both mentioned around value for the patients. Really, they're the ones that we're doing this for. So let's make sure that it does enable them, allow them additional freedoms and uh, in enhance their ability to participate in our clinical trials. Uh, Dina, can you talk a little bit about any advice that you might have for sites that are hesitant to engage with these types of technology? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so I think sites should really be clear on their why. If they're hesitant, there's got to be a reason. And if they could you know, have an honest conversation about why they're hesitant about using technology solutions with sponsors, CROs, and let them you know, clearly understand what what's holding them back. Let's face it, technology is not going away in every aspect of our life. We see it. So, um, you know, it may hurt the sites in their ability to participate and hurt them with study opportunities if they close the door on technology. But if there's a real hesitation and a good reason as to why, perhaps, uh, you know, the sponsor and CROs would work with that site to kind of work to get them over their hesitation, give them the confidence they need, give them the assurance they need if there's any, you know, specific reason that could be overcome, such as we hear sites saying they're worried about um, PI responsibility and things like that. So just to talk through it, maybe um, accommodations could be made to give them the assurance that they need in a, in a CTA agreement and kind of get them off the hook for what they're truly worried about from you know a compliance and regulatory perspective. Uh, well, one more thing I really wanted to, to talk about was, um, you know, using the site voice collectively through SCRS on how to lessen that site burden and work to find those types of solutions that, you know, work for sites. Thanks, Dina. Karen, did you have anything to add? Just briefly, so Dana and I have talked about this at length over all of these months and years. My The only other piece of advice, apart from what Dana has just spoke about there, is to please read through these guidelines. They've been carefully considered. They've been created by experts um, from SCRS across sites and sponsors and suppliers. Um, and I think that it's a great starting place for you at sites if you do have some concerns. And I think for, for all of us, we've came from backgrounds where technology expertise is maybe not an area that, that we had to have as a skill. And um, so I think there's some concern that that requires to be a skill. But but actually, if the technology is, is fit for purpose and it's user friendly, then I think the, these guidelines is a great place to start with those site discussions. The great pieces of advice. Uh, thank you both for for chiming in there. And and I think that concept of understanding what it means for you individually as a site is really what uh, the resounding message here and what both of you had had brought forth. So thank you both. Uh, I want to begin to wrap us up here and would really like both of your perspectives, but I will start with Karen here um, as we start to conclude. As we continue to develop more technology for clinical trials and it continues to be more uh, widespread and adopted by the community, I think it's really important for us to understand how can our industry sponsors, CROs, and other service providers support sites in making these types of trials and technologies viable and, uh, and and efficient and really easier for them to implement? So, Jimmy, I think this is the, the million dollar question. And I think that there's a lot of work still to be done. I think that we have to sit down with sponsors and CROs and, and think about what it means when they're using different provisions different vendor providers with the same technology platforms at sites. And um, so the result for sites is quite simply that they can be utilizing 20, 25 different e-systems in their daily, their daily um, workload. 
So if we can find a way that we can reduce that burden and by reducing that burden, reducing the burden of training, um, then I think that there's definitely some work to be done there. We also know that some sites have invested in technology um, and that that facility hasn't always been well utilised or well received by sponsors. We need to learn why. We need to learn how we can integrate better. And if that is sharing APIs, if it's collaboration and, and cooperation, I think that that's the next piece of work that probably needs to be addressed. Thanks, Karen. Dina, any other clearly uh, defined uh, solutions uh, to supplement what Karen had mentioned? Yeah, I mean, echoing completely what, what Karen said about integration, that's key. But, um, you know, there's significant gaps. I see it uh, all the time. And I learned so much, you know, going through, you know, our team's effort in, in creating the journey maps. And technology, solu technology solutions aren't in sync always with SIVs. So they have everybody has to be ready at the right time. And then training options also need to be available when they're needed, not just at an investigator meeting or a site initiation visit. It could You could start a study at a site level and not enroll a single patient for six months. So that's, you know, that information they learned a year ago, six months ago, it's not going to be fresh. So technology training needs to be available at all times and refreshers need to be added. So just adding on top of that, um, support, help desk services are, are a must have for, for sites and participants. Well, I think that's a really awesome place to end our conversation today. I love to, to end on a high on a, on a, uh, on a solution focused uh, final point. So thank you both for your contributions there. Um, I don't think we can get that message out to the community enough around working towards simplification, towards integration and towards settling on viable solutions that work for our patients and our sites as we continue to move these things forward. So thank you both for being here, Dina. Thank you. Thank you for your contributions from the service provider perspective. Uh, and Karen, thank you for your contributions contributions uh, and as well as bringing in uh, the CRO perspective. Thank you both. Thank you. We look forward to see what we're able to do in 2023 to move the needle even further and, um, you know, really make an impact to lessen site burden and improve the experience for sites and participants all around. Yeah, I second that. And it's been a, a, an amazing experience. It's been a privilege to be part of this um, digital technology program. Um, and I, I am sure that the, the sites will benefit from the, the documents, the guidelines being released. Thank you both. Make sure that you register for upcoming summits being held throughout the year by visiting our summit page. Upcoming summits include our SCRS West Technology and Innovation Summit taking place in Scottsdale, Arizona, June 7th through the 8th, 2023. While you're on our website, be sure to also check out other SCRS publications designed for our community of sites in the publications section of myscrs.org. We appreciate everyone's participation in today's program and look forward to having you join us for more great content. Thanks for listening.